Welcome to The Grand Exit, the podcast where we plan for death while living our lives. I'm Julia Joyce Barry. On the very first episode of The Grand Exit, I talked to death doula Alexandria Giroux. We discussed the simultaneous joys and complications of working in the death industry while living in a deaf-phobic society, and what that has felt like in the wake of COVID-19. We also get into the details of her own funeral arrangements, which inspire me to make a first pass at writing my own. Here's my conversation with Alex. So I have a couple things I think I want to start off asking you if you feel comfortable. Yes. Um, yes. Um, so uh, can you just say your name and then how you would describe yourself briefly? And that can be up to your own interpretation. That can be your occupation. It can be what you're wearing, what you look like, where you're from, just something, however you want to interpret that question. So yeah, your name and then how you would describe yourself. Okay, great. And I can just do that right now. You can do that right now. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So my name is Alexandria. I am a death doula and birth doula, a performer, a Reiki practitioner in Brooklyn, New York. Awesome. Oh, that's good. I didn't know you were a performer too. So yeah. I decided to ask you more questions about that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and then my, my next question is um, sort of how you came to be on this podcast. So like, how, how do we know mm-hmm. one another or mm-hmm. how would you describe um, how you got here and, or our relationship to one another? Okay. So you and I met through an event um, of hysterical Sunday, mm-hmm. uh, a conversation around, around death and dying. Um, mm-hmm. so we have a mutual friend, Gina, that put us in connection yes. to do that event together and mm-hmm. mentioned creating this podcast. And I thought it was such a great idea. And so I was really glad to stay in contact with you and get to do it. Yeah, me too. And I, I, I can't remember if I told you this or not, but I was so, um, I was so I was so excited, but also was feeling um, I was feeling nervous or like shame that I was like taking up <laughs> too much time during this workshop because I was like pushing my own agenda about my <laughs> my no. my funeral planning podcast. No. Um, but but what had happened was that I you know I'd been sorting through a couple of different ideas um, around a podcast of this nature. Originally, it was. Um, going to be called my funeral playlist and it was actually going to be um uh folks talking about you know music they would want played at their funerals and then we sort of like trace their their lives through the that music that they had chosen but Mm -hmm. i was advised by a very wise and capable podcast producer friend of mine that getting rights to all those songs would be um, absolute nightmare exactly exactly (laughs) and um and i was like Mm-hmm. That's that sounds right, and I was sort of trying to think about all of these workarounds, and then it started to just sort of like the idea got sort of thinner and thinner, and I was like, no, how about and, and sort of I had that sort of light bulb moment during the hysterical Sunday workshop, 
with with you there and so then <laughs> I got really excited and uh I just was yeah I was excited but also very concerned that I was monopolizing the <laughs> no I think that that was the whole point of the event the whole point mm-hmm. of talking about death and dying is that we have these light bulb moments where we get to find our own curiosity about it so I think yeah. it was great that you that you did that yeah I, I appreciate you saying that and I think there's been so many of those happening for me recently um, mm-hmm. in anticipation of, of recording this, this podcast, um, which, you know, um, the focus will be talking to people about planning their own funerals and, you know, all of the, all of the things before and after that. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, um, I guess before I, I start asking you a bit about your plans, because you did um, share those with me, which was really generous. Um, I wanted to ask uh, if you don't mind describing a little bit about what a death doula does, because um, I think, yeah, I have a feeling a lot of folks don't know. Yeah, and I, I'm still I'm still learning too. So, yeah, I think there's there's a lot of different kinds of death doulas. So mm. I I think everybody takes their own path, which is great. But as far as how I death doula um (laughs) I I work with advanced care directives so so getting people set up with with these healthcare plans about you know how if you can't speak for yourself what would you Mm -hmm. want your families and your doctors to know about the kind of care that you'd like Mm -hmm. um I also work with care planning so um setting someone up with like hospice or a caretaker mm-hmm. or just helping organize the family in a way that feels sustainable and good. And then mm-hmm. funeral planning, um, which is what it sounds like. <laughs> yeah. Um, memorial planning kind of in the same vein and then also uh, grief support. Mm-hmm. So helping with bereavement and things like that. So cool. And do you, so do you actually, because I, you did say there's, you know, um, many different kinds of death doulas and I imagine their practices will mm-hmm. differ. Um, do you um, ever actually like um, help to sort of like prepare a body um, if people want to have like a death in the home? Um, or Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. definitely. Um, that is a part if you if if somebody is interested in having a home funeral, mm-hmm. that is a service that I would provide. And so, you know, sometimes families want to want to do it themselves and they just want someone to help them or, or you might wash and dress the body depending on you know what that that family wants so right really I see my role as someone to do the things that the family can actually have an experience mm. around the death of a loved one or yeah. so that the dying person can have an experience where people aren't worried about like how do I do this? How do I do that? I have to make a really intense decision. I don't know what yeah. to do. Like you can just give the logistics over to me so that you can be present. And so whatever you need help with, I'll help you. Yeah. That's kind of it, how I see it. I like that. It, it's, it makes me think of like, in my sort of immediate reaction is like my consistent host anxiety and that like <laughs> even on my deathbed I'd be very concerned yeah. about everyone else being comfortable <laughs> and not having too much to do um, right and right. vice versa um yeah right. I love that um 
So, and how, how long have you been, uh, I don't know if this is the right way to say it, like practicing, um, and, or how would you say it? Um, would you say I would practicing? Say, yeah, you could say practicing. Mm-hmm. I think, well, I can just say I, I did my training um, with Death Doula LA, Jill Shock, okay. last year in June. Oh, awesome. Yeah, so relatively new. And, mm-hmm. um, but I got into this because my stepbrother died in 2018 mm-hmm. and it happened in Arizona. And I was kind of seeing the like, the back and forth and like, what do we do? What do we do? Da, da, da. And mm-hmm. so sort of what kind of started the, the interest in this for me. Yeah. And so are you, are you from Arizona? Yeah, I grew up in Arizona. Okay. And, and that's how you know Gina then? Yeah, we went to college together. <laughs> okay. Awesome. Great. Where did yeah. you, where did you both go to, uh, where did you go to college? So we went to, um, uh, a little community college together actually mm-hmm. in Scottsdale that had okay. this like killer dance program. So oh, we went there. Awesome. Okay. Mm-hmm. I love that. I love when there's these sort of like, yeah, secret pockets. Um, yeah. Like in these fu- schools. Yeah. That have some sort of program uh, like specialty. I yeah. It's funny. It was like the, all of the, the students from ASU would come to the community college for like the dance classes we were like amazing yeah (laughs) that's that's so nice um do you still dance I do still dance so now I dance with um the feather theory which is a company based in New York um the director is Raja Feather Kelly oh yeah Mm -hmm. okay yes I did first I was like oh I don't know them and then of course I know who that is right Um, yeah 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 oh man okay well I'm so I'm like <laughs> I'm really excited and I hope I get to see you perform sometime um, me too yeah <laughs> you're like you're telling me yeah um awesome well that's really cool um okay so that was that's this is all very recent um yes the practicing and so how have you how many deaths have you or how many families have you worked with so far Probably just a handful. I mean, like definitely less than 10 at this point. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like that's still, that's still a lot. Yeah. 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 I um, mean, it's, it was a, it was a beautiful time to start the training. We really had no other choice, but to be still and mm-hmm. kind of evaluate what we were doing, you know? So I chose to get these trainings done. And now that things are kind of starting to open up a little bit more, I can, re I can enter into that space a little more fully just because because of COVID it was sort of unsafe to do so even though the need was so great yeah well that was something that actually you and I spoke about um Mm -hmm. early on when I asked you you know for some I was having a lot of um nervousness around around making this podcast because because I was feeling like maybe I wouldn't be um you know, it wasn't my place or that I wasn't or needed to be some sort of death professional. (laughs) Um, And, and you, you know, assured me um, that that isn't necessary because this is something that we all go through. And I really appreciated that. But something that came up in that conversation was that, you know, within the past year and a half, there have been so many deaths um, Mm -hmm. that people have not been able to properly um like 
celebrate or commemorate or even just be present for it all with their families um this sort of like forced distance and I just I can't even I can't even imagine how heartbreaking that must feel and also just like I would just feel I feel like must have just felt crazy (laughs) for lack of a better yeah uh, better word um for, for everyone involved just so unfair yeah deeply unfair and and there's this term disenfranchised grief Mm. that that comes up around that and yes I was thinking like dissociation or something that where you just are so separate from something you want to indulge in yeah yeah it's it was really I yeah I mean what a difficult time and and having to even if you did have plans you know all of those go out the window when even when a body has someone has passed away and they passed away from from COVID, it's considered an infectious disease. And then there's all these other kind of, it, it becomes limiting as far as to what you can do. Mm-hmm. And so that mm-hmm. is really tough as well. Right, right. And it's, it's so interesting. I've been, you know, reading about and listening to um, interviews and podcasts with, with folks who, you know, have really been interested in having home funerals. And mm-hmm. I've talked to friends of mine who have, you know, who have parents who are, you know, closer to death right now and I'm talking about what they want. And um, just this, uh, so many people express how, how surprised and some aren't, but how they really want to actually touch the bodies of the people who die and just have that feeling of closeness. Um, yes. And I think that that, especially in um, our country is, not even necessarily presented as an option to a lot mm-hmm. of people. The body kind of gets whisked away yes. um, pretty quickly. And then it's like, where do I put this grief that I'm feeling? How right. do I express this without, uh, it just, I, I mean, I, I guess it's an impossible question anyways, but to have this, I guess it helps perhaps to sort of process it a little bit more when you're actually looking at the, the body. I think, um, I think you're 100% right about that. And we have become sort of severed from, from what natural dying is and death. And the thought right. of a dead body is you know, it's so disgusting. It's repulsive. Yeah. And, and because of that separation, the grief is so much more because you didn't get a chance to, you know, really say goodbye and see it and, you know, to see it is to believe it a little bit more as opposed to like, Oh, they're, they're dead. They're gone. Like what is happening? Yeah. Yeah. I think just listening to the ritual, um, the, the description of the process of a home funeral, I just found Mm -hmm. it really beautiful. Um, So beautiful. And, and this is all new to me, you know, it's not yeah. new. I had an idea, of course, but mm-hmm. really hearing the, the detailed description um, was, was very beautiful. And then I remember there was sort of this moment, um, this one particular, uh, uh, I think it was the daily uh, episode. And this, the woman talks about 
um, like embalming practices, right? Mm -hmm. Sort of at juxtaposed with this description mm -hmm. of the um, home funeral. And I just was so like, I remember I was on a walk and I, I think I felt myself like I, I grimaced, like my whole body grimaced. And yeah. I was like, oh yeah, this is so gnarly. But I also want to say that that is just my opinion. And moving right. forward, you know, if that is something that somebody wants for their, um, to make arrangements with their body that way, then that is their prerogative. And I don't judge it. Just me personally, the, mm -hmm. the idea was it, it really made me feel uncomfortable. Well, I think the trouble with embalming is not so much the choice to do it. If that is your choice, sure. then that's great. Your choices should be honored and respected like everybody else's. But it's, it's the feeling that there is no other way. If you, if you die, you have to get embalmed. And that's just how it is. And that's just not true. Oftentimes, yeah. even, when, even when people opt for cremation, they end up getting embalmed first for some reason. Mm. And that's I just think that a tricky little funeral industry thing. But, but the idea that, that is the norm, that's the normalized option, I think is incorrect. Yes. And I think that that's a really good segue into a lot into, into the sort of mm -hmm. corruption of, yeah. of the death uh, industry um, with, yeah, with like the sort of like, uh, I don't know, like big funeral. <laughs> um, yeah, it and, is. And I think, and I, I'm, I'm, I've done some research and I'd really like to hear um, from you about it too. Um, I think in particular, it, uh, they're called uh, what, SCI Service Corporation International. Yes. Um, yeah. And yeah. Would you mind talking a bit about them and, and yeah. the history? So, so I essentially avoid them. So I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know a ton about them other than mm -hmm. they are a billion dollar industry. Yeah. And they they essentially propose that a funeral is like planning a wedding except done in just a few days time, which is why it's so expensive. But there's mm -hmm. also, which I think is, I mean, that is just disgusting to me, but you know, whatever. Um, and there's also like inconsistencies with pricing. So yes, NPR did a great little snippet about at a moment of grief, someone has passed away, you're contacting funeral homes, the last thing you should have to do is shop around for pricing mm -hmm. inside of the same corporation. Like, why is that happening? Right. I, and, I, I, go please ahead. go ahead. <laughs> and why is it so expensive? And it's so expensive because what I mentioned earlier, it's like, okay, we, we know that our loved one wanted to be cremated. And mm -hmm. so what is the cost of a cremation? oh, well, if you want to get cremated, don't you want to have a wake? Don't you want to have a viewing for everybody to see them? And so if that's the case, that so we're going to embalm the body, that's extra money, then you're going to have mm -hmm. to rent a casket so that they can see, so they can be placed in the casket, so they can have their wake. And then you'll have to rent the space and then, then we'll cremate them. And then you'll need to buy one of our urns and then we'll release the body to you or yeah. release the ashes to you. And that like, is just a business. Yes. And of course, people don't know that there are other options. No, they don't. And, and a part of why it's so important to make these plans is so that you can avoid all of that runaround because time feels like you feel crunched in the moment. 
or you're too preoccupied to know that you're being taken advantage of. Preoccupied with grief. Right. Yeah. And I, in that particular, I think the same um, article and, and uh, the piece, the NPR piece, I, it was literally that the, the two um, funeral homes were like across the street from each other in, in Florida. Right. And right. this woman was expressing that, you know, at one, she, she came out with a quote of like $7,000. Right. And then uh, she found out that in fact, this, you know, this um, spot in like a strip mall across the street was charging like half of that mm-hmm. amount. Right. Mm-hmm. And that was, um, I think the cremation alone, I believe was somewhere around 3000. And then across the street, it was like half or something like that. Right. And she, uh, and that she also, um, she, she had bought a package, right, from this, mm-hmm. from this home, and it included $400 for stationery. Right. It's and ridiculous. $700 for a internet memorial. And <laughs> it's like, you can't, you know, it's like, you can't sort of choose your own package, like a la carte, you know, it's like, right. they just give you, well, this is included in this. And so you just have to do this, you know, it's like, right. who are these people who know nothing about the person who's died, nothing about mm-hmm. your family. Mm-hmm. But of course, she thought that that was the only option. And I remember the, the um, I can't remember who it was who was doing this piece, but he was talking to somebody in the industry and he was like, do you see how wrong that is? Do you see how wrong it is that they're charging half for the exact same service that, that, that the body is being cremated in the exact same place and they're right. charging double? And he, he used the analogy. He's like, well, you know, some people, they just want a fancier experience. They want to go to, you know, oh they God. go to the car lot and some people want to buy a Rolls Royce and some people want to buy a Chevrolet. He's like, no, sir, don't you see that they're both buying the Chevrolet? Right. <laughs> <laughs> it's, like, it's just, it's just double. And it was so, it was so frustrating. And of course I giggled, but it was also really sad because he used this, the same man used like three different analogies. You know, he used this analogy of like, well, some people want to go to a gourmet restaurant and some people want to go to McDonald's and, but you know, it's the same burger. He's like, they're both at McDonald's. Right. (laughs) Right. And finally, sort of the guy got sort of broken down to the place where he, he realized that his argument had no, no bottom and Mm -hmm. he kind of just deflected he was like well you know it seems like you should talk to them about it you know and he couldn't and but it was it was insane and 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 then of course heartbreaking because this woman who lost her husband had had no idea um and I don't know I think that that is so common and that there are so many alternatives that um, people don't know about and that's part of the reason I'm doing this is to find out for myself and then also just to um, I guess sort of the main thesis here is to give people agency um, in their own death um, and then also give their families uh, agency yeah you generously shared your wishes um, and I don't know are you comfortable talking about some of them or would you like yeah, to of course. yeah of course yeah. And I will say, like, one thing you had told me before you sent them, and, and then after reading them, something I was struck by was just, they're very simple. Yeah. 
And if, yeah, I, and could you agree? <laughs> um, yes. <laughs> and I, and it was like, it was really lovely to read and also inspiring for me um, to the to the degree that after reading them, I actually the next day uh, wrote my own. Oh, amazing. And I didn't I didn't think that it would happen so fast where I would be like ready. And something else I think that you had mentioned was that you're like, you might be surprised how actually easy it is and how it's not very dramatic or sort of intense. Yeah. Well, I think, I think there's two things to it. It's, it's different to plan your own funeral when you're not actively dying. hundred um, percent. Yeah. And it's just essentially writing mm-hmm. your wishes down as far as funeral planning goes. Um, and they can be easily updated. So yes, like I, I also have my plans as if I were to die today, what would yes. I want? And if my circumstances change, I'll just go into that document and change some things around. And then mm-hmm. also there's, there's a bit of relief around it. So like much. Now, now it's done. I don't have to think about it anymore. And nobody else in my family or my friend's circle has to worry about what to do with me if this yes. happens. Like yes. this, is off, this is off the table now. And now we can just enjoy our lives. While I would really love to have a a green burial that Mm -hmm. I don't really want to be buried in New York because I don't have family here. I, um, I don't have any strong ties to this place other than that I've lived here for nine years. Mm-hmm. So I wouldn't like to be permanently here. <laughs> so right. So if I were to die, I I would most preferably wish to be donated to like a medical science school or you know donated to science essentially. Um, and then when you do that they give you a cremation. You usually get the body back in about a year, depending on who you go through. Um, so you can, you can do a cremation through them and it's free. Okay. Um, I have a question about that. Yeah. As a, you said it, you get the back in a year. So that means you donate the body and then you would get the ashes back in a year or mm-hmm. you. So oh, they'll essentially, so obviously they would have to embalm you, which I'm not excited about but Mm. for me those two values of like okay serving other people helping other people learn potentially saving other people's lives being of service in some way versus being embalmed like you know that's that's okay for me I've done like I've taken that values checklist and I decided that I would rather help people versus not be embalmed so you would be embalmed and they essentially use use your body for teaching for you know, I don't know if it's a semester or two semesters, but you get, you would get uh, the, the ashes back in about a year or so. Okay. Okay. And I believe you can choose some places will let you choose if you want, if you want a burial or if you want ashes, but I think ashes are more common. Yeah. And so I would want that. And then I feel that it's important that people, I have a list of people that I would like to have my ashes. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um yeah, I think it's important to split them up um, with the 
a disclaimer that I would appreciate if you got rid of me at some point before you die. Right. I think you said like I don't want to be hanging out in your closet. That's very boring. For yeah, me. I think is what you said for me. Yeah. <laughs> no, I certainly I don't. Yeah, I don't want to be in a closet, forgotten about. I don't want to, you know, be sorted through later after you're gone and be like, "What the fuck is this?" Like, I guess we'll yeah. just get rid of whatever this is. You know? <laughs> yeah. I I hmm. don't want that. I want I want people to hang on to me as long as they need to, and then get rid of me. And um, I would prefer a memorial over a funeral. Um, I think I mentioned that my mom would probably need that funeral. And so if she fights anybody on it, just let her have it. It's fine. Mm -hmm. It doesn't, it doesn't mean anything to me either way. Um, Mm. But why do you think that she, why do you think that she would want a funeral? Well, my mom is religious. Mm -hmm. And so I think there's an aspect to that. Sure. And also I am her only child. I'm an only child too. Yeah. So I think, (laughs) I think there might be something around the immediate service, Mm -hmm. even if there is no body, which to me sounds more like a memorial, but you know, whatever. Um, Sure. And I, and I think there is a religious aspect to it that Mm -hmm. would be important for her Mm -hmm. that I, I'm just like, you know, have a party there should be food, there should be drinking, there should be dancing, there should be fun. Whereas, yes. you know, maybe my mom would need a precursor to that. And that feels fine for me. Mm-hmm. If she wants yes. to do it. Yeah, I understand that. Yeah, something that just feels a little bit, I guess, more traditional, more formal, just like that might help you to understand, like the, the format. It's like, okay, mm-hmm. if I know this is going to help me grieve in this particular way because maybe it feels a little bit more familiar. Mm-hmm. Um, and and something else that I remember you saying in, in your wishes too about the memorial, about the party, was that um, it should be open to whoever. Uh, wants. Yeah. Like it's just open. And I really, mm-hmm. I, I, I really love that. And then something else that you said was, People should be, feel bad about feeling fun. It, yeah, feel like uh, having fun rather, um, and and I love that. Like people should be partying, and it should there should be moments where they're like, "Is this okay?" Ah, right. fuck it. Yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah, I love that, that feels that feels important to me as I've, you know, I've had a few friends pass away, mm-hmm. um, and there's always little pocket memorials. You know, it's like if you knew this person through, you know, working with them versus being friends with them versus growing up with that, whatever, it's like pocket memorials happen. And it feels important to me that a big one happens, that yeah. everybody, everybody should come connected in some way. Like yeah. it's, you know, people will have their side things because it feels good. But I, I particularly feel feel drawn and like the idea of being honored in a way that is collective as opposed to in bits and pieces yes something Um, I please go ahead go ahead um (laughs) something I've been talking about you know while thinking about um my memorial is that like this is a party that I would like to be at um and or that not that I would even not just that I would like to be at but that I would be at it just naturally um I could I could be there or I could not be there 
um, but it would be sort of this the same the same energy um, mm-hmm. and I think that I still have this um, romanticized idea of of sort of like looking down at my own funeral and and smiling or something yeah. you know I mean, <laughs> this notion of like looking down on is so funny to right. me but it like it's right. definitely ingrained from you know since I was little the sort of idea of heaven and like the angels all smiling fondly down <laughs> um, and also just like my favorite one of my favorite uh, like the Tom Sawyer um, like fake death moment where he you know he fakes his own death and then he's he gets to watch people mourn over his body uh, and he loves it he's like he's like oh I am loved and I fully fully like you know like love the idea of that fantasy um for myself especially like you know I'm an only child and I always I have a lot of you know um insecurities about people not Mm -hmm. liking me or not loving me and that's um and I think uh it's like oh it will be revealed when I'm dead you know yeah (laughs) you'll see Um, you'll see exactly and and while I was writing my wishes I really didn't have any of that um any of those feelings at all which was so interesting because I was like oh that's a that's an idea I have about myself that isn't actually matched with how I actually feel about it, which was, which was really interesting. Yeah. Yeah. That is interesting. I think too, like this is something from, it's called the living funeral. Mm -hmm. And it's essentially something that you can, you can do where you, you prepare for your own death. Um, Mm -hmm. And something that that you do inside of that is you write your last words, you write letters to your loved ones and mm-hmm. goodbye. And I think that's just such a good, good practice to, to do. I, I mean, it. what, what would you want if you could, if you could control it, what would you want your last words to be? Or how would you like to say goodbye to the people that you loved? And, and is that something that maybe we should consider putting in our plans? Like, yeah. You know, letter to my mom, if this happens, just know this, this, and this, or, you know, what a gift that would be. So I think something curious happens when we think about talking about death. We think Mm -hmm. that, you know, if we talk about it, it's going to be terrible. It's so painful. We have to avoid it at all costs. If we talk about it, it's going to happen. It's a jinx. Right. And, and when, we do talk about it, something, something quite different happens. It can be healing. It can be, you can start getting curious and and opening up to it, Mm -hmm. but also it's, you know, back in Victorian times, I guess, probably even before then the, the memento Mori Mm. was, was a little thing people would carry or an image or writing. And it reminded you that you're going to die. So you should live now. Yeah, I mean, I, I, that's what I found already is it's just it's it's given me a lot of levity already. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And this is just sort of the beginning of my exploration into this and and discussions with with people. And um, yeah, it just it feels already just like my shoulders feel a little bit 
like less weight, I guess, um, which right. was all this sort of just imagined weight, mm-hmm. you know, like I think I hadn't even allowed myself to think about it, um, which right. I imagine is true for most people because you're afraid of what you'll feel or discover. Um, yeah, definitely. And I think, I mean, grief is that heavy. Grief yeah. really is as terrible as you think it will be and then yeah. worse. Yeah. But the planning beforehand is actually not. Yes. I think it, yeah, it is important to, I think, distinguish. Yeah. And who wants to be doing all of this work when you're feeling so terrible? And right. that's why it's just so important. And I feel like most of my work as a death doula is to get people to realize how important it is to talk about this Mm -hmm. and how important it is to get curious for yourself it's harder when you start talking to other people it gets harder yes but it's still so important because then you do get to open these conversations up and and really know what that person wants and then you can honor them the way that they deserve it and then avoid all these other issues like dealing with sei or dealing with a with a funeral that doesn't feel right or talking about money or any of these things that distract us from the task at hand, which is dying. Yes. There's, I mean, there's so many reasons why I feel strongly about making this podcast. And, and Mm -hmm. you mentioned several of them. Um, You know, one initially was that I was feeling this fear a few years ago about simply I don't know if people are going to know what music to play at my funeral. And, (laughs) you know, it sounds funny, Mm -hmm. but it it is true. One, because I do have like all sorts of varied tastes, but that actually I am very, very private about a lot of things. And it's even to the degree that I didn't even realize how private I was Mm -hmm. until, till thinking about these things and feeling really nervous that, well, I'm not, I'm not going to be properly, commemorated right so and I think too this came up in the the event that we did together with hysterical Sunday was Mm -hmm. you know friends close friends maybe somebody has died a close friend has died and 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 their funeral did not reflect them at all exactly because you know had I not had my wishes down or talked to anybody about this I don't mind what either yeah and so I, I, I want, and I think everybody wants their funeral to reflect them as much as possible. And so you kind of realizing, oh, I, you know, I do have so many interests and how would anybody know this is how it, it should be reflected. Yeah. And that can be really painful for people who, who knew you well to not, mm-hmm. to not see any of you in your funeral or in your memorial. Yes. And I, I... And I do want to, sorry, I do want to make a distinction when you're dealing with assets and money and belongings, mm-hmm. you do, that does need to be in like a proper will. Yes, that is. Which is a legal document. Uh, right. Funeral planning not, doesn't need to be like a signed, sealed, delivered kind of thing. It can't just be something you write down. Yes. Thank you for, yeah, for mentioning that. Yeah, unfortunately. <laughs> I wish it could just, you know, yeah. you take this, you take that, whatever. Um, yeah, I, I am in, in a place, and I want to want to say this for the record, that I have lost grandparents, and mm-hmm. I have lost um, one 
good friend um, a, a little over 10 years now ago now. Um, but I haven't had any recent deep and like immediate grief. So I'm speaking from a place of like, you know, I, I feel a little bit outside of it. And I, um, I'm trying to just listen a lot, I think, to well, other people's version of it. But again, I'll say the same thing. I don't think that you don't need to be an expert on anything to open a conversation. And grief is all different and immeasurable for, for mm-hmm. people. Um, mm-hmm. That just feels important to say. Yeah, you thank know? you. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I'm definitely still dealing with just wanting to wanting people to feel safe talking about their own experiences or their own relationship to to dying into grief and 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 um I just want to be able to hold space in a way that feels feels um safe right and and I think I think oftentimes too with grief is and this happened to me and it happens to others all the time is people don't want to they don't check in because they don't want to remind you Mm. of it and it's like I haven't forgotten that Mm. (laughs) this happened and so even just having the space to have a conversation is deeply meaningful to grieving people yeah I want to open it up for anything that you if if you feel like there's anything else that you want to mention or talk about something you feel is important um and then also I have a a, just a, a fun final question to close okay (laughs) <laughs> okay. Um I feel like what what is important is 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 really to do your research or reach out to somebody who can help you like a death doula. Mhm. I think it's so important to start the conversations early with yourself and with people around you and know that the small amount of time that you spend doing that will reward you so greatly later on and you'll be so happy that you did it. Um and there's so many interesting ways that you can have a funeral, have a memorial, die, all of that. And it's, it's truly worth looking into. Yes, thank you for saying that. Um, great, so my question, um, I have a couple, and these are questions that I've been obsessed with asking people just in general, and they don't necessarily have so much to do with um, death or mortality, but rather about um, one's feelings about themselves. Um, and so I, I'm going to put you on the spot just a little bit. Um, Um, let me see I have three different questions that I'm then like obsessed with asking people and probably annoying them. Um, okay. But what I'm going to ask you is what do you love about your work that isn't really in relation to other people? Um, so meaning like, not about how you necessarily like treat or interact with people, but what do you love about it for yourself? Does that make sense? Yes, that makes sense. And it's, it's incredibly hard to separate those Mm -hmm. two things for me Mm -hmm. because, because I do this work because I like to help other people. So, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so I think, and I'll answer just for today. I will not marry this answer. (laughs) Great. Um, I think what I love about this work for myself, because I do both birth and death, I think what I love is just contemplating those two points in my own life, 
like it it makes me contemplate my own mortality and my own creativity in a way mm-hmm. that I don't think any other work could. That's a great answer. Yeah. And I imagine that you love your own creativity too. Right. And I think I think it, you know, a close second would be performing and dancing, but creativity in such a way of just like, you know, birth is is the biggest creative process. Mm. that we could know so yeah I think that's what it is yeah great well I again I just I appreciate you coming on here so much and just being so generous with your time and and um beforehand as well and just sort of gently guiding someone you don't know that well yet um with a Mm -hmm. their new project I think is really I really appreciate it well I'm so excited for you and I'm excited to 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 listen and I think I think this is such a great idea and I hope it inspires people to do the yeah. same thing that you did me too so yeah um well thank you so much Alex and enjoy the rest of your Sunday thank you you too okay bye bye-bye Thank you for tuning into the very first episode of The Grand Exit. It was a humbling first go as I navigated faulty Wi-Fi connections, sensitive microphones, editing software, my incessant lip smacking, and urge to talk about myself to fill silence. Despite all that, I truly had such a great time with Alex and hearing her funeral wishes did inspire me to write my own. I talked about them lip smack with Alex quite a bit, but I edited most of the details out. I felt strongly that her voice and her story should be the highlight of the episode. Also, I realized I modeled my plans a lot off of hers. Not surprising. I think it was a good first pass, but I have a feeling I have a lot more to learn from my other guests that will inspire, definitely confuse, and refocus me. In the meantime, you can subscribe to The Grand Exit on all podcast platforms. And if you or anyone you know would like to be a guest or simply just chat about funerals or death planning, email me at info at Let's talk sooner rather than later.